Hello, and welcome to ESG Matters at Ashurst. I'm Elena Lambros, the Ashurst Risk Advisory Climate Change and Sustainability Partner. Welcome to today's episode of Game Changers and Transition Makers. In this series, I'll be speaking to entrepreneurs around the globe who are at the forefront of driving the sustainability agenda through innovative business ideas and company startups. In this episode, I'll be joined by Christiane Jordan, founder and CEO of Sikona. Christiane is an experienced entrepreneur in the resources and energy sectors. He has worked in the financial services industry and before pursuing his passion for clean tech and materials science, he was managing director of an ASX listed junior mining company with projects in Mozambique. Christiane is driven by a vision of helping to cool the planet. By increasing access to high-performance, cost-effective battery materials, he is working towards helping the world transition to a sustainable energy future. And it's great to have him here today on the podcast. Welcome, Christiane. I thought it would be really useful for our listeners if you could just start by telling us a bit about yourself and your business that you're in at the moment at Sakona. Yeah, it's great to be on. Uh, Sakona is a battery materials technology and manufacturing company based down in Wollongong, is our, is our headquarters. We currently have 27 people working for the company, growing fast. Uh, started the company in 2019 with some foundational uh, intellectual property out of the University of Wollongong. So we, we're taking translational sort of research out of the uni into, into the real world. What we're all about is uh, taking a, a next generation high energy density battery uh, material. So it's materials-based technology. We're taking uh, silicon carbon-based uh, battery materials into existing lithium-ion batteries. So it's uh, it's a material that's dropped into the making of today's lithium-ion batteries on getting a little technical on the anode side of the of the, of the battery. So thinking of a lithium-ion battery like a cake, we uh, add a, a special ingredient into the making of one layer in a lithium-ion battery cake. And that special ingredient increases uh, how much energy you can store in a lithium-ion battery which in turn has a very, very positive impact on how that gets used in, for instance, electric vehicles. So you can drive further in, in your EV. And the other major impact is the cost, um, upfront costs can be reduced. So you, you reduce the cost of energy storage. And third uh, aspect uh, is also uh, you can charge your battery faster by using this material. So it's, it's really aligned to the EV uh, transition and electrification of, uh, of transport. So definitely a good business to be in now and an incredibly important business, like with the focus on EVs, with the focus on the energy transition. How did you come about this business and what were you trying to look at addressing as part of it? Yeah, so it's, uh, it's quite a, uh, it's a long story in, the, in its full telling, but I'll, I'll give you the short version. I came over from South Africa, as you can pick up, um, I wasn't born and raised in Wollongong, but I came over from South Africa in 2016. Uh, at that stage, my previous company I co-founded, we, uh, we were developing mining and energy projects in Southern Africa. And so one of the projects that we discovered in Mozambique was a graphite deposit, and we'd um, listed the, the project um, after uh, after doing some early work ourselves, we listed it on the Australian Stock Exchange, raised some capital and developed it. And that really opened my eyes and that process opened my eyes to what happens with graphite. And coincidentally, it gets used in batteries. So that's where I started getting a taste for, for the battery supply chain. And in 2018, 2019, I really got into researching what is next, what other technologies are out there. Uh, because it's something, graphite is something that's dominated by China. So they process uh, almost 100% of graphite uh, for lithium-ion batteries, and they dominate that part of the supply chain. So I wanted to change that, and I wanted to build a business in Australia using um, Australian resources and uh, and and, start, and found this IP at the University of Wollongong, uh, sort of going down into into uh, the rabbit hole of, of silicon and 
how wonderful material it is and what it can be used for. So um, that was really the genesis. I wanted to, to do something in the battery supply chain to, to change the dynamic around, I guess, uh, over-concentration, number one. And two, I really felt like we were at a deflection point where EVs were, were going to take off and we needed to bring uh, technology to the table, do things better, get more bang for your buck. So high energy density, those, those sort of thematics. And that's how I really stumbled upon the uh, research at the uni and, and the rest is history in a sense. <laughs> oh, well, I think Australia is lucky that you uh, came out here and ended up in Wollongong. So just on wanting to focus on that part of the EV market, I know Australia has been a little bit slow to the uptake with EVs, like starting to see that like increased focus now. And obviously there's a lot more options on the market, which I'm hoping will also encourage consumers to look at EVs when they next purchases. In terms of your supply chain, is it kind of really focused on Australia or is it international? Where, where do you kind of see your like demand for this component of the battery? Unfortunately, yes, you're right. Australia is a little bit slow on the on the uptake of EVs for getting there, but even slower on actually manufacturing vehicles or manufacturing lithium-ion battery cells and, and those components. That's becoming more of interest, but we are a little bit late to that party. So the major traction that Sakona has had thus far has been overseas and, and everywhere from Asia, traditional powerhouse of China and, and other Southeast Asian markets through to Europe and, and especially in the United States. So for our first stage of commercialization beyond where we are now, we are currently at pilot manufacturing stage. We are looking to actually build our first commercial scale manufacturing facility in the United States. There's a lot of uh, customer traction and, and interest to for us to manufacture the material domestically in the United States and supply it to uh, cell manufacturers and automotive companies in the US market. Uh, but there's also a lot of policy support. So the Department of Energy is administering a lot of, m of money and grants and, and loans uh, to bring sort of onshore their, their parts of the battery supply chain. And Australia is now and the rest of the world's sort of realizing they need to, to, to also compete, I guess, and, and participate. And Australia is doing something similar through the National Reconstruction Fund. And so we're waking up to the opportunities. We are very much uh, committed to Australia and to being a major participant in Australia becoming a big player in the lithium battery supply chain beyond just digging up uh, minerals. So we we uh, see a future where we will manufacture our materials in Australia, and that's part of our mission. Great, thank you. And I just wanted to touch on that because I know uh, America is attracting a lot of investment at the moment. Obviously, they've got the Inflation Reduction Act, which is essentially just really kind of focused on the energy transition and the materials that are needed. Being based in Australia and having access to the, the impact of those policies in America, has that been a good, easy way of, of doing business? I mean, have there been any challenges around that? It, it's great to have that relationship with the US and being able to do it from here. Absolutely. There's a great benefit actually doing it this way because we have, we're out of the noise of places like Silicon Valley and, and accessing uh, talent. Uh, one of the major challenges of building a company like ours and building this uh, supply chain, the technologies and, and everything around it is access to talent. Um, and because we're one of the leading companies in Australia doing this, we uh, sort of get the pick of, of really talented uh, scientists, engineers, et cetera, to build our company outside of the noise of places like Silicon Valley, which is a big advantage. However, on the flip side, it's also the tyranny of distance is a challenge. So we, you know, it's hard to manage a project and, and building out commercial scale manufacturing in the US when you're based in Australia. It's not insurmountable, but it's it's a challenge. And then there's, I think, the lower cost of, of doing our fundamental research and innovation, pilot scale manufacturing that we've done thus far here in Australia. It's a, we've been able to do it a lot cheaper 
uh, in terms of you know uh, rents and and uh, other sort of overhead costs are much cheaper than again uh, the bay area as an example so that's a big advantage and then there's the other advantage which people don't realize uh, how big a difference that makes but our research and tax incentive program that's been running for decades i think uh, is a major benefit to to a company like ours which our colleagues in the us don't actually have access to they have access to many more sources of funding but I, th- I feel that R&D tax incentive program is, is a great Australian, I will call, call it innovation and, and program that we, that helps innovation. Yeah, no, that's great. And it's actually nice to see Australia highlighted as having that sort of innovation here, because I think there is so much focus on the Inflation Reduction Act. You can kind of lose sight of the fact that there are actually opportunities to build and focus on this here in Australia. So just picking up on your point around, you know, access to talent, I know you're quite strong in your company in terms of STEM and focusing on on supporting that kind of industry in Australia. Would that be correct? Yeah, that's 100% correct. We, those are long-dated investments uh, to, to increase the uptake of STEM, uh, especially in the transition from high school to university. And, you know, we have strong collaboration with, our, with universities um, from the University of Wollongong strong partnership there. Uh, they're a shareholder in our business. We're proud of the work we continue to do with them on a number of research projects. Uh, but then also UNSW, uh, Deakin University, other universities across Australia, we have very strong programs we're working and supporting with those unis. But I think the challenge we're seeing is not the postdoctoral or a sort of PhD level. It's really getting the undergraduate dedicated programs. You know, something that we've had discussions early stages with you know, UNSW as an example, they brought the solar undergraduate uh, in solar engineering and, and science degree as, at an undergrad level. We need something like that at the, for battery science and engineering. That's something that we, we are missing uh, to, to really um, drive our, our natural advantage of very smart students uh, to then go, go into uh, that undergrad and, and not have to go all the way through to, we don't actually want people to go all the way through to postdocs. We want them to come work for us after they finish their undergrad. Uh, but they just need to do relevant undergrads. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'm sure you'd have a lot of demand for people wanting to come work for you as well. Another thing that I think is really kind of key, particularly in the battery space, and I think is starting to get a bit more attention now, is when I think about the energy transition, I think it's not just about the focus on reducing emissions right now. I think it's about the end-to-end of the impact across the supply chain. So I'm thinking about, you know, when you manufacture them, what are the impacts there, and then your end of life particularly what do you do with that so there's a whole lot of considerations rather than just that kind of immediacy when the battery is in the EV and and obviously I'm reducing emissions um, I know your company is quite focused on that so I don't know if you wanted to kind of expand on the sort of things that you think through to address those challenges yeah we've we're very passionate about that um, and you hit the nail on the head uh, with, with your with your statements just now that we've actually quite bored thinking of us I would say for a company of our size 30 almost 30 people we've got a full-time head of sustainability that we recently appointed. Uh, and she is leading our efforts on making sure that we measure uh, from an early stage what our uh, CO2 footprint is, what's our impact on the environment, how can we actively uh, engage with our supply chain, raw materials supply chain, site selection, uh, use of, uh, of energy, re- uh, electricity, for instance, trying to, 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 to reduce our impact. And we've just actually completed our first life cycle assessment for our planned US facility. And we've got a baseline of what our impact is in terms of kilograms of CO2 emissions per kilogram of product produced. Because ultimately, if you think about it, it's not good enough just to produce the materials in a, and get it into electric vehicles and for us to all drive EVs. We actually need to go quite a few steps further to ensure that we minimize the actual CO2 footprint 
we can't repeat the sins of the of the fossil fuel industry. We have to do way better and minimize. There will never be zero, but minimize our CO two footprint, minimize our environmental impact, make sure it's fair wages, and 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 all of the uh, the key ESG metrics are addressed from day one, which we are doing. So we we're very very passionate about that point, um, and we proudly uh, we we can't publicly yet say the numbers, but we significantly lower impact on uh, using. Our, our product, our silicon carbon product, CO2 intensity is very significantly lower CO2 intensity than existing graphite-based nanomaterials, and even better than uh, competing technologies that use a more expensive uh, CO2 intensive raw material than what we use. So we we really see it as a selling point, um, the sustainability aspect um, and, and ESG aspect of our business. Yeah, excellent. I love that because I think it's so important. And like you said, we should be learning from what happened with the previous industry and the fossil fuels, right? We, we should know better uh, at this stage, I would think, given all the focus. And then just quickly, if you could just touch on kind of the end of life of batteries. I know that kind of gets a lot of press as well around, you know, what happens at the end of life and long-term impact of that. I'm glad you you raised that again. Thanks and sorry for not answering it in the, in the first part of the question. I got carried away there. Yes, it's it's a very important thing that uh, actually we're name dropping a little here. We had uh, in Wollongong, we had Sir Ian Botham, the cricketer and representative of the UK government come visit and he came actually came to see us at Sakona. And I, we got, got a, a photo up with him, myself, my co-founder. But it, one of his questions when he asked, he, he straight up asked us, one of the first things is, what happens to batteries when when the vehicle is dead? And what are we going to do with all this battery waste, et cetera? I'm like, no, 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 relax, Sir Ian. We've, this is a solved problem, which is exactly. And it's, it's actually what makes me proud to be in this industry. We are solving this problem at the start of this new uh, EV revolution, EV transition. Um, so there are major battery recycling companies already up and running. Um, if you look in, in, in China, yes, they're there. But if you look in the West, companies like Redwood Materials, the, the founder of that company left, he's a co-founder of Tesla, J.B. Struble. He left Tesla because he believes in the mission of recycling. So he, he left Tesla to do that. And they're building a battery recycling business. Then there are quite a few others, Ascend Elements, et cetera that are already setting up. So that is already, uh, I would say, a solved problem technically, and the infrastructure is being built. So at the moment, those guys are staying alive by treating the uh, battery scraps when they manufacture a lithium-ion battery. There's uh, not all of it makes its way into uh, passing certification. So you have a lot of scrap material on site. So they are actually treating that scrap and reintroducing it at the front end. But they are, they are waiting for the day when uh, a, a lot of EV batteries are, are at sort of end of life. And then that can be retreated. But actually, before you get to end of life for an EV battery, it's basically 80% charge uh, remaining uh, when they say, okay, now you you basically end of life for an EV. But that's still that battery is still very good for, say, energy storage applications for your home energy storage. So there is another Aussie company, Re-Electrify, that's got amazing technology to take those EV batteries, repurpose them, and put them into packs for energy storage for home or, or small grid applications. Um, so a lot of innovation in that space, absolutely a solved problem. And one of the reasons we should actually champion EVs is because that that circularity is built in from day one. Yeah, that's fascinating. And I think that message should absolutely be getting out there more because people, you know, don't seem to realize that that is a technology that's, you know, already have a solution to it. So that's um, that's absolutely excellent. And then just back to Sakona for a minute, like what does success look like for Sakona? I would say success for us is achieving our mission, which is it's like climbing Everest. So um, we're, we're maybe at advanced base camp we, or 
we've gone camp one, whatever. We're still at the, the foot of the mountain, if you will, but we're ascending the mountain at the top for us. And our vision is to be the largest silicon carbon battery materials producer in the world. So bigger than any of the Chinese major players, bigger than anyone else. And not be, being big just for the sake of being big, because we believe by going mass scale with our technology, we can have maximum impact on the increasing the adoption of electric vehicles because it has real impact on reducing the upfront cost of, say, an electric vehicle or how far you can charge, drive your EV, uh, which is a major uh, factor, two major factors holding people back. So to this charge rate is something that a lot of people are concerned about. So if we can, we can have that level of, of impact only through being massive scale. And we believe our technology is fundamentally uh, geared for us to be uh, at mass scale. So we're, that's our mission. That's success for us is to be manufacturing at hundreds of gigawatt hour capacity on a materials level. And we definitely have a clear path on how we can get there. That's a pretty exciting time to be at Sakona then. <laughs> yeah, it is. There's a lot happening. There's a lot happening for sure. Uh, it's definitely not uh, It's not a done deal by any stretch of the imagination. Um, we, we, in a building a deep tech company like this, it's uh, multiple valleys of death. It's not just one. We've maybe we've we've gone through the first valley of death, and it's like yes, we congratulated ourselves, but we're well and truly into the second valley now. Um, and it's it's a it's a it's a it's not an easy thing to do. Um, but we have an amazing team, fundamentally a fantastic technology. But it's a technology in its own right won't it won't be successful. You need the team to build it, and that's what I'm proud of as a team. We've we've been fortunate enough to assemble that are all um, committed to the, to the vision and to the mission of our company and who are really smart people. Um, it's just around yourself with smarter people is the, the, the key to success. <laughs> That's what I like to do as well. I think it's great advice. <laughs> yes. And for you, what is the key to reimagining this kind of current system? You know, what is changing the game look like to you? Yeah, changing the game for the current system, I would say, is um, for us to electrify everything. Uh, just, you know, electrify whatever is possible to be electrified, which is a lot, uh, and, and transportation across the board and whatever else can't be electrified. We need to to look at other smart ways to to transition from the old fossil fuels, consumption-driven, extractive uh, industries-driven focus of just taking, taking, taking out of the earth without any consideration on the impact that has on our, on, on our climate, on our own health, on you know air quality, those type of things. So we need to, to really think in everything we do, how we do it matters and, uh, and transition to fundamentally just electrifying everything, which we, we're playing a part in, we're a cog in that wheel. Um, and and that's, that's exciting to be a part of this, of this major, in, uh, second major industrial revolution, um, if you will, and, and for, the, for the good and for, with a mission to actually we need to do this. It's it's fundamental to our survival as a species. If we don't, we've all got to get on Elon Musk's um, uh, rocket and go to Mars, which you know I don't want to do. <laughs> Thank you. And then I always kind of like to think, you know, about you know, a person as an individual. What is your own personal commitment to net zero in the next twelve months? Yeah, so I've I've taken the first steps by moving my uh, transportation to electric. Both our family cars are electric, and we'll never go back. Unfortunately, I had to drive one or two uh, rental cars in the US recently as as um, uh, ice uh, internal combustion vehicles. And wow, the technology, electric vehicle technology, is just a superior technology. It's just much better to drive, easier, nicer to drive. It's just so much better. I can't believe we we're still driving internal combustion. It's quiet. It's it's seamless technology, uh, instant acceleration. It doesn't feel like the car's going to fall over any moment, which is what I, f- I feel like very unstable in a 
in a normal car, which I was driving all my life until now. But anyway, it's a superior technology. I'm, I'm, I'm proud to have taken those steps. But then for me, something I, I need to do now that I've very recently purchased the property for the first time in my life, uh, which is one of the <laughs> major missions to, to, to achieve, uh, box to tick. Um, the next step for me is to put solar panels on, on the roof as much as I can fit on. And then to put a battery to back it up. Uh, that's that's my personal commitment over the next 12 months. Excellent. Sounds like a good commitment. And finally, if you could provide listeners with one action to take away, what would that be? Yeah, that's a, that's a, a tough one. Aside from buying an electric vehicle, which I think everyone that can should, uh, if you can afford one, buy one. If you can't afford one just yet, hold on. Sakana is doing everything it, it can to to reduce the upfront cost of EVs, which we, we can fundamentally uh, impact. So uh, hang in there. Aside from that, I would say anyone who's able able to consider leaving either leaving their current jobs or starting a new company or you know scaling a technology, anything that has a, a climate bent or impact should be just doing that. Like if you've been thinking about it, don't think about it, just do it. Like get out there. Uh, either start a company in this space or go work for a company um, in this space, but just put your skills and your capabilities to good use and think seriously about, you know, not just, you know, not just doing a work for the sake of, of getting some money every month, but just our, our impact on the planet and leaving it better than than what we, we got it. No, I love that. I think I'll finish with that, leaving um, the planet better than what we got it and thinking about our impact. I think that's incredibly important at the moment. And yeah, it's been great having you on here, really inspiring just to see how much change has been made in, in such an essential industry for the energy transition in such a short time. So thank you so much for joining us today. No, thank you. Thanks for having me on. It was great. Thank you for listening. I hope you found this episode both worthwhile and insightful. To learn more about our podcasts, visit ashurst.com forward slash podcasts. Game Changers and Transition Makers mini-series follows on from our 30 for Net Zero 30 series, and I would encourage you to click on the link in the show notes to find out more. To ensure you don't miss any future episodes, subscribe now via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or where you listen to your podcasts. And while you're there, please feel free to leave a rating or a review. In the meantime, thanks again for listening, and goodbye for now.